You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 37. The Fat Fix remote coaching is now launching on June the 1st. If you listened to my last podcast, you would have heard me briefly mention it at the start, but I just thought I'd give it another shout out today. It's something that I will obviously be promoting more often. It is a service that I've created and it's something that's been in the pipeline for quite a while. I spent the last six to eight weeks really working on that so I can try to replicate a quality of service that my face-to-face service brings people. And I often find within the online training world, it's tailored more towards avid health and fitness professionals, or it's tailored towards people who are like robots. You can give them a training program, they'll just go away and do it. But the people that I work with, it doesn't quite work like that. They need a lot more support, a lot more guidance. And basically, probably a different model in itself to get them to participate in exercise and actually enjoy it. That's something that I hope to have created with the Fat Fix Remote Coaching. There's a lot more that's going into it. The app we're using is absolutely fantastic. You can have constant communication with a coach. It is literally like having a coach in your pocket. When you go to the gym, you can have access to myself and my girlfriend, Claudia, at literally a touch of a button. The the other stuff that we're going to be using in terms of the education is going to be brilliant. We're going to be doing lots of live calls with our clients. We're going to have they're going to have access to files where we're going to basically share lots of documents and educational information with them. There's going to be so much put into it to actually get people to make that change that they've been looking to do for quite some time. So if you are someone who would like to work with me, enjoy my podcast, anything like that, please get in touch with me. You can shoot me an email, info at fatfix.co.uk or you can simply head over to my Instagram at Coach David Flowers and fill in the coaching application form there as well. So really excited to get on the way with this one. So give us a shout if that's something that you are interested in. Now to today's episode. I was joined by Dean Guido, who is a personal trainer and nutrition coach all the way over in Canada. Now, do you ever wonder how people can get away with eating what they want and never gain any weight? Now, this is a topic that we discussed today. We discussed something called high energy flux, and we delve deep into Dean's research in this area, which has studied different populations where there is zero prevalence of obesity. This was extremely interesting, a really, really good conversation, one that's going to bring a lot of thought to the table, I'm sure, with your own um, process and what you do within your own health and fitness journey, and just give you a different, hopefully, some different tools to how to approach it in general. So without further ado, this is episode number 37 of the Fat Fix podcast, How Can You Get Away With Eating That, featuring Dean Guido. Hi Dean, welcome to the Fat Fix Podcast. How's it going, buddy? I'm very good, thank you, mate. Yourself? We, good. It's it's. I, I don't. What time is it there? It's it's like nine here, so I'm just having my coffee. Alright, um, four o'clock. Four o'clock here now. Yeah, when you were, when we were doing the time thing, I was like trying to push it. Just like not that I don't want to wake up earlier. Like I'll wake up earlier, but it was kind of nice to like wake up at my normal time and have my coffee and. Cause I was like worried I was gonna have to wake up at six to do this. I was like, oh, <laughs> I would do it. Like I, uh, I like your stuff, but it, uh, we got it at nine. We're good. You're based in Canada, right? Yeah. So uh, like I'm on Mountain Time, but yeah, oh, I'm in yeah. Over- When you mentioned you was in Mountain Time, I had to Google it. I was like, where the hell is it? <laughs> it's a weird one, like because it, it's just like, especially when you talk to a lot of people, it seems like everyone is is EST because it's like New York's center of the world. So it has to be EST. No, like literally no one even knows there's a mountain time unless you're like in that little zone. <laughs> yeah, I've, sounds- had a, I've had a few podcasts where I think I've been up at 11 at night doing a podcast. 
to get a guest on the show and then I'm literally lied in bed for about three hours after the podcast, just absolutely wired. <laughs> yeah, like that's the only problem about doing these things is like it doesn't, like you get energized from doing it usually. Like sometimes I don't, but generally it's like, yeah, I need to do something. Usually I go lift afterwards, to be honest. <laughs> I don't have to do them at 11, so that's the other benefit. <laughs> no, this is good time, mate. This is good then. <laughs> just before we jump into today's talk, Dean, I know we're going to cover some good stuff today. I'm really excited for this one. And uh, do you want to just give my listeners a little bit of a rundown on who you are and the things that you do within your career? Yeah, I, I feel like I get worse at this every time I do it. But I'll try to make it like really simple. Basically, I'm an ex-college football player who needed to stay in school long enough to play football, so I became a teacher. Got two degrees. Became a teacher. Did powerlifting. Hated teaching. Became a trainer. Quit powerlifting because I was too hurt. And now I, I basically, in that time frame since then, so probably from 27 to 32 now, I've worked at a private gym, opened my own studio, transitioned my online to online training. And so now I do online training and, and mostly my business is now I work for a company called Stronger You. I do one-on-one -on -one nutrition. And I also, with the owners of Stronger You, I also own their fitness branch. So we do online group training. We call it community-based training, but basically it's templated training for the masses that services the nutrition group. And that's kind of um, the rundown of 18 years old to 32. Actually, that was good. I think that was good. That was a, that was a really good, quick introduction. Um, yeah, no, Otherwise, no, mess, just no messing about. I'll just yeah. football for like my like my whole life was football and then if you, if you really want the real story like I thought I was going pro and then I didn't go pro because I got like massive injuries and surgeries and then I was like I'm gonna be a pro powerlifter kind of got pretty close and then like I had to quit yeah I'm a normal like ex-meathead who's now a trainer <laughs> no I'm glad you said that because I've had guests on before and obviously because most of my listeners are UK based when they spoke about certain sports they've done I think a lot of my listeners are just like what the what the hell's that sport I have no idea being <laughs> listening to it and when you say football I automatically think about what you probably call soccer uh yeah and it's not it's American so, football but really it's Canadian football so like you, you probably don't even know Canadian football is even more different it's like oh, bigger, really? field, bigger field um, X or not even you know one less down like it's just more special teams it's it's not like i hate canadian football i've had to play it for no that'll just confuse confuse me even more i reckon if yeah we're, <laughs> if we're going to go, go look at it there's a professional league called the cfl if <laughs> <laughs> they were all like the drug tests the people who failed drug tests and like couldn't make nfl like go there and then ah. we have it's, this is messed up you have we have like a 50 i don't know what the exact percentage is now but teams have to have like 50 percent canadians so they literally have to carry Canadians and put them in backup positions just to kind of get the the ratio right and then play all Americans. <laughs> Mental. So, yes. mate, I, I think that the topic we're going to cover today is something that is really, really interesting. And I know that you do a lot of that. And it's that's why I wanted to obviously get you on the show as well, because you deal with a lot of general population clients, like you mentioned, and, and it's always good to kind of go into who we deal with on a day to day basis. And go into what you do with your clients, the problems you run into and things like that. And today's topic, we're going to go over something called high energy flux. And people might be thinking, what the hell is that straight away? Well, I've already started to confuse them, but obviously we're going to break that down in layman's terms today, what we actually mean by that, because we often, we often hear things like eat less and move more. And that seems to be the most common thing on social media right now for people to um, lose weight and don't get me wrong to some degree that's true for a lot of people and initially that will result in weight loss but it's kind of going into about more about weight maintenance today and speaking about what happens after a diet and what the people actually need to do and I know that you're quite big on weight maintenance I've listened to some of your um, seminars that you've that you've done on this and I really like the like the wording that you use by saying letting clients go out into the wild essentially yeah. when, when when they finish working with you when you let them go into the big bad world how can they stay in the position that they got into working with you and this is where the whole high energy flux low energy flux topic comes about so I think we'll kick it off there by talking about like what is energy flux in general just to break it down for the listeners so they can get a good understanding of what it is 
Yeah, and to like preface that, like you're right. So like, it, I the reason why I got into all this was because like, yeah, like you listen to Instagram or whatever, like your favorite fitness professional, and it's like, yeah, eat less and and move more. And it's just like it's not that simple, and like we end up being really good, especially in my company, we deal with fat loss clients, right? So people lose weight. And that seems to be the easiest part of the whole equation. I know it's not easy, but in terms of like, like statistics and all that thing, all those things that everyone is really good at losing weight and they can't keep it off. I think it's something stupid, like 13% when they kind of did aggregated studies and stuff. And like, that's really bad. And so I wanted to look for like, what, what's the solution? And long story short, a lot of the things I've been doing with my clients is like, I've been before I researched this topic was getting them to basically do more activity, like all the normal stuff we talk about, like move more, do exercise. But I found that like feeding them more ended up doing crazy things. Like they'd either lose weight or they'd stay the same. And it was like, what's going on here? And so all high energy fluxes really, really, really simple is that, and I'll, I'll use an example. If you take two people, um, I, I, I think if you looked at my presentation, it, it was Chad. So we'll use Chad as this avatar of a human being. He can, he can be in two different fluxes. So high energy flux or low energy flux. All it means is low energy flux means that there's less calories coming in and generally there's, they're, they're doing less activity. So we call that energy expenditure. And if you're in high energy flux, you're doing more things. So more energy expenditure and you're taking in more calories. And my argument was if I'm looking at someone long-term that I would want as a client or release them into the wild, which is the world, I want someone who can eat in for calorie expenditure wise, high energy flux will just say is 3000 and low energy flux at 2000. I want the person that has 3000 3, calories to, to, to take into their system because I know that they can go into the world and eat more food. And we all know how hard it is with food cues and soda and, and restaurants. And like, you're going to a social event and there's like two beers, you can handle a lot more calories. You're probably going to be better off in my opinion. And then, so that's essentially all it is simply is like, I can eat more, but I'm also doing more. And that allows me the opportunity to be more successful long-term, assuming that they're not going to be on a diet their whole life. And that was a big thing in my presentations was that I don't want people to feel like they have to be on a perpetual diet forever. And then just have the one hammer, which is eat less and, and do more like that. That's a, that's a gift that doesn't keep giving. Like we're going to keep moving more and keep eating less. Like you run out of, like you'll run out at some point. And so it was just, I think it's a better solution. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting when you, when, when you said there about the environment that people find themselves in and, and which human being you would prefer to be you. And, and I'm, I totally agree is I would rather someone go out into the modern society where they've got, access to highly palatable foods, really calorie dense foods, and actually then be in a position where they can actually eat these foods without restricting themselves. And this can all even link down to the psychological, emotional behaviors around food in itself. If you're just allowing that more higher energy flux coming in and obviously matching with a high energy flux going out. So it's essentially just saying, and it's essentially saying like, if we look at eat less, move more as a long-term thing, there's only so much you can do before things start to bite you yeah. in the ass and things start to change. And I spoke about this before on my podcast, talking about metabolic adaptation and things and how other things start to slow down when less calories are coming in, you'll start moving less and all these things. I think it is a good, good way to put it is when someone comes to start a weight loss journey, for example, they do do them things straight away and they do work momentarily hmm. How, however it quickly becomes a short short deal of time before problems start to occur whether that's appetite starts to surge through the roof the motivation to train goes lower and lower and they naturally just start moving less anyway would it be possibly a better kind of scenario to just do one or the other so if we go to this would we just look at someone and say right i'm not going to touch your food whatsoever i'm going to keep that high energy flux of food and instead i'm going to put a high energy flux of activity because right now your activity is low you're sedentary at work would it be an idea of just doing one or the other would it like in a perfect world yeah like i would wrap so this is this is the one conundrum is like especially because people coming to us are coming for a specific goal and generally it's fat loss like i don't want to say everyone is fat loss because we have people that want to gain muscle and do performance but a large part of our population coming in is for fat loss so they're coming in for this thing and they want and expect the thing that we're talking about because like 
what's popular is like, yeah, like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to eat less. Like they're probably going to give me macros and they're going to give me like, I'm going to do exercise and they're going to do everything at once in a perfect world. Like I would, I would attack the other stuff first because in terms of the pillars that I think are more, um, um, I see flexible and a little bit more anti-fragile or stuff like getting steps in and getting activity because it, it, they're going to come in and they're going to probably be eating in a surplus anyways, right? Like the, if they've gained weight for whatever. So if you can start to add in those qualities, then you can kind of move the needle with the, the calories, um, not at free will, but you have a little bit more opportunity for growth there. You have less opportunity if you're just attacking calories. And so that's usually what happens. And like you, I don't want to say that everyone comes in and they're like, you got to do more movement steps and lose calories. But a lot of the starting points is you just need to eat less. Like I would say it's even simpler on kind of what people recommend is it's usually just eat less. They don't even attack the movement part. So it's hard because I would rather someone be in higher energy flux because then there's a lot more room for growth and places to go from there where there's a lot less places to go from moving more and eating less. Cause it's just like a downward spiral and it has to come back up. Well, it doesn't have to, but kind of what you were talking about. I call that white knuckling. Like, and, and there's a certain population that can do it. They can just eat less for forever. So <laughs> they can do less activity and they can work out and they're white knuckling it the whole time. But that takes a lot of effort. And I, I just don't think personally that, that enough people are going to be able to do that. Because like you said, in the wild, there's too many food cues. Like it's the right answer to eat more food. Like yeah. we were designed evolutionarily to like store food because we're waiting for the next famine to come like it's it's you're basically telling yourself no constantly and that's like even psychologically not helpful and so that's why higher energy flux is great because like you can tell them you can do the thing that you're going to do in this world that you want to do you just have to have the pillars of movement and exercise and scale those up with it which seems like an easier sell i don't think it is like because that's not what's norm is so i guess as a coach i would rather that but i don't think people are going to come to me expecting that unless we kind of shift the paradigm by putting stuff like this out because then they might have an expectation that this this could be an option you know what i mean and i don't think that people even know what it is like you said high energy flux no one knows what high energy flux is it, it's even a new term in science like in terms of the studies like it's like five years ago and before that it was called g flux which doesn't even make any sense either <laughs> that was like early 2000s so it's a new topic in total i had stefan guillenay on i don't know if you've heard of him he's got the wrote the hunger brain and we spoke about this okay. stuff and it was and it's really interesting to 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 see how we are how we kind of programmed mm -hmm. as human beings to now we're exposed in a world where calories are very easy for us to get. We don't have to hunt for them, for example. But if we are made and hardwired like this as human beings, we are made to store energy because we don't know when the next meal is going to come. So and now we're released into this environment where we can easily get energy calories, for example. It obviously makes it much easier to just to keep bringing in energy and also kind of wanting energy because that's what we're supposed to be doing as human beings so it makes sense to maybe just attack the energy flux high energy flux with activity so you're not messing around with that because i don't know about you dean but the the biggest issues that i run into mate is people with nutrition and the there's so much behavior change emotion psychological there's so many things that go into that and if i was to potentially just say listen i'm not going to touch that in fact i might even add food to it in, in terms of adding like fruits and vegetables if i'm looking at food quality instead of always taking away i might just say keep your diet as it is i'm going to add some fruits and vegetables on there i know that they're really low in calories it's going to give you um high food volume so you'll feel more satiated, for example. But we're just going to attack their high energy flux. And that's all we're going to do because that just might make you get off to a flying start. Not just a flying start, but a start that you can keep up forever because we know but, diets don't work very well long term for most they people. Don't, they don't work long term. And then the equation is we have to come up into what they do maintenance anyways. So like, and, and you can't go into, you can't just keep adding calories in like the metabolism spikes initially but like you have to scale up activity. So if you can kind of have that, like I said, you can go back down and cut, you can go back up in surplus because like now you have a bigger window where if you're kind of moving and I'm using my hands on this, but if you're, if you're, if you're going to that low end, there's only one way to go in. And yeah, like, it's, it, but it's, it's not sexy. Cause like, I remember, I don't know if you were, you remember the 10,000 steps thing, but I thought it was a complete, like, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I was like, this is stupid. Like my, my parents were like, yeah, we're going to get 10,000 steps. And she, she got diabetes anyways. I'm like, this does not work. 
And now we're kind of realizing that it does work, but it works in combination with all those other things. So like in isolation, a lot of these things like exercise and movement and eating less or even eating more don't work at all. Like they, they, they depending on the person, but like now I don't want people listening to this to be like, oh, I just need to eat more. It's like, no, you need to do all of these things and you need to do it systematically in a way where now you can, I always come back to environment, but let's just accept the fact that there's going to be pies and cakes and donuts and McDonald's. Like these things are, are reality and they're not going away unless uh, COVID happens and everything shuts down. <laughs> but, but, but even, even then, so it's like, I would rather work on a realistic expectation that these things are around and how do we attack them? Because like you said, there's a lot of psychological stuff wrapped up in all that. It's very, 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 very hard to do it. Even with a coach um, client relationship. Imagine if you're just on your own. Like, you, you know what I mean? And like, it's just, I just don't think it's that helpful because it's, it's just a harder route to go. It's also hard to work out and, and get your steps, but at least it, it allows you the opportunity to um, at least not have to deal with your shit with food initially. Yeah, it's more, more low hanging fruit activity really, isn't it? To be able to grasp, changing people's nutrition is the hardest thing for people to do. And, but essentially, like you said, mentioning steps, they're going to be, they're likely will willing to do more steps anyway if they have a high energy of flux of food coming in because we haven't necessarily touched that so they might find themselves having the energy to be able to do more output if they've got more energy coming in anyway so and it's not kind of a double-edged sword where you drop the calories too low and then they don't have any desire to move more yeah. essentially so it's uh, well, you can adjust the calories after that and the, the cool thing is with step like so the association with food and like diets is like everyone like i say everyone but people that come to um weight loss programs they're expecting that you have to lower their calories like that's just kind of the general consensus is like you got to lower calories there's no way we're going up but at least with exercise everyone comes in they already know like everyone kind of has that um intuitive nature that like yeah, i need to move more and i need to do more like that you you don't have to like convince someone of that so when you say that it's, it's not a fight and usually with the food stuff it's not a fight to get them to eat less but it's a fight for them to actually do it so it's, it's just a weird conundrum where like it's so much easier to push activity harder to do but i mean in a perfect world that's what i would want but it, again that's in isolation that sounds really good it is hard for people like when they they have three kids and they have an office job and now you're asking get 10,000 steps they think you're crazy like what's this 32 year old punk gonna know about any of this stuff and so like it's it's about working strategies around that but like i said in a perfect world that's how i do it yeah, I've, I've had a few clients like that. And I, I think I did a post ages ago about similar kind of stuff, really, where I, I kind of said, um, looking at a sedentary individual. So, for instance, in the week, they are just sat down for 10, 12 hours a day, stuck in the office. Their energy flux is going to be extremely low, as in activity. They're going to have a low energy flux of, of movement and things like they're doing not being able to get to the gym or if they do it's just like 30 minutes before they they have to whiz home and collect the kids or make tea whatever it is that's a very low energy flux and i and i kind of look at them individuals and say okay when it comes down to this and we cannot increase the activity or the training because of your job and all lifestyle stuff that comes involved that's when i might look at the eat less scenario Absolutely. however however at the weekend they can essentially move more. And what they're gonna do at the weekend, what do we want to do at the weekend? We want to eat more, we wanna order a takeaway, we wanna do all these things. So I will say, listen, at the weekend, eat more or whatever. I, I know you're gonna anyway, I know that you're gonna drink a bottle of wine with your husband at the weekend. I know you're gonna have a few beers. What I'm gonna drive is a high energy flux out and make your movement higher at the weekend. So we might just attack eat less in the week and then at the weekend, we might attack, move more, but not necessarily eat less, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, I, I like that approach. I, I don't necessarily use that because I, I have people that I'm going down and up. But, again, if you're teaching them what, I guess, um, energy, energy flux is, like, when you yeah. do less, you, you need to eat less because you'll, you'll be in a surplus. And if you do more, you can eat more. And the only shitty thing about that is that then people are like, well, I'll just out-exercise things. And that's where it gets murky. Right. And that's when it doesn't become so simple. So for anyone listening to high energy flux, it is that simple, but it's like a whole conclusion or it's like a whole, um, all of these things added in because like we know, and I think I said it with my presentation, like with exercise, like we know exercise works and we know steps work. Steps seems to be more consistent because you can track it metric wise and your body doesn't seem to adapt to it as fast as exercise. But what I've had is people like, well, I'll just run more. 
And that's the other thing. That's a, so we, I don't want to get too complex, but it's like the, the more you do something that's like really specific, like running or biking, something where it's like constant or running on a treadmill, your body actually gets better at doing that thing. And then you burn less energy. So it's just a matter of like understanding all these concepts and how does it fit into my life? And then you can kind of come up with a plan with my clients. It's generally we're going one way to lose weight and then we add it all and coming back. But that's just because of the, the process that they've signed up for. I think if you're someone listening and you like want to do something like that, that's exactly what knowing some of these basic concepts are doing. Cause now you can create a plan that is contextually specific to you. And it doesn't have to be this simple thing that you saw on Instagram that you can only go this, or you can only intermittent fast. Or you can only do this. You can actually kind of do things that work for your life and still reach your goal. It's just like, it's going to, it's going to require some planning and some thought into it, which I think is like a realistic expectation anyways. Um, if I tell someone that they're not going to think I'm crazy, they might think like they don't want to do it, but you still, it's still helpful. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I, when I mention high energy flux myself, when how I think of it and it's, it is definitely the component of NEAT, that non-exercise yeah. activity thermogenesis that I'm really pushing rather than pushing too much exercise. Cause like you mentioned, I've had them clients who are, obsessed with what they can do in one hour how many yeah. calories they can burn in one hour where i'm saying to them listen that's probably one not even accurate two you're pushing yourself you're running yourself into the floor yeah. which after it you're going to be sat on the settee not not participating in any needs because your body's yeah. going to want to preserve energy and what you're going to do you're going to probably eat more calories and basically offset that one hour training session that you did anyway so it, it's cool well, <laughs> yeah when i talk about high energy flux and we'll go into that now talking about some of the some of the studies really and some of the populations that you have studied Dean about with them having a high energy flux and going back to evolution where we had a high energy flux but we didn't have a high energy flux through planned exercise because mm. back then the why would we go and lift weights or why would we go for a run back in a thousand years ago it makes no sense but we were super active with our non-exercise activity, which is the most uh, powerful, the powerful aspect really in terms of energy expenditure that there is compared to exercise itself. So let's yeah. talk about the Amish population or Amish population. Some I don't of them. think it's Amish. Is I, it I Amish? Amish? I don't know. With your accent, you can say it however, because I don't think, <laughs> do they have Amish over there? <laughs> Amish. <laughs> I've got it. Spelled. Is it A-M-I-S-H? Yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly don't. I think it's Amish. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they care. No, no, they don't use technology, so they're not going to listen to this podcast. No, they, they won't be listening. <laughs> we can say what um, we want about them. Yeah. So, like, the cool thing and the reason why I want, like, you can look at all the studies and, like, high energy flux works and like, whatever. Like, you can look at the aspects of high energy flux and combine and come to your own logical conclusions on these things. Um, but for my project and for like the stuff I've been writing is like, I didn't care, not that I didn't care about science. Like I think science is really cool, but I wanted to see on a population level, like, does this work? Cause like, I think it works with the people that I'm dealing with, but I also have a one-on-one -on -one coaching relationship with them. And I'm talking about releasing people into the wild and not thinking about things. So what does that look like when people are just existing in this world and what does it look like? And the cool thing about the Amish is that they're essentially like for anyone without a background on them, they, they essentially choose to live in the 1800s. So they usually live on communes or like they'll have big pieces of farmland and they'll have like a community um, where they're just essentially farmers and they, they choose not to have technology, TVs, phones, uh, a lot of times farming equipment, but some of them do have farming equipment, but you'll see Amish people using like tillers with horses and stuff. And so, and they don't have cars, but some of them have a community car. Anyways, there's like the rules get murky, but long story short is they don't have a lot of the luxuries that we currently have in our environment. So not as helpful for like where we are now, but helpful that they're existing in this world um, and, and not too long ago. And the cool thing is they went and studied them and I won't get into the, the, the craziness of it, but they basically put pedometers on them and they, they gave them questionnaires to say, how much work did you do throughout the day? And they're like, well, we did a lot of work. We're farmers and we don't have uh, the luxuries of the modern world. So we have to work our asses all day. And what they found was, and this is the crazy thing. I'll, I'll get to the statistics after, but like they're low end. So on average, they got 20,000 steps per day. And on the high end, we had some people that had almost 50,000 steps per day. And that was for the men working the farms and then the homemakers and the wives. Um, who did laundry and they kind of did some of the tasks around with the farm animals, they still got like a minimum of 20,000 steps. So that's insane for anyone who like tracks steps and who has like a normal office job, which is usually like 3,000 steps. 
So huge component to that. But the, the shocker was, so take work, take steps. They're, they're like double what normal society generally is. And we think 10,000 steps is high. That's their uh, normal. That's not even their normal day. They're double. They're whole on a population level. So they, they went into this crowd and they studied this Amish population. There was like 200 people-ish. I'm just looking up the stats. I think it was like 6%. So basically they were at, the males were at 6% body fat and the women were at like 15 or something. But the crazy thing is there was 0% prevalence of obesity in the men and about 25% of the women. They basically figured it out. They had, on a population level, they were, they were essentially shredded and they, they ate a lot of food, which I didn't really get into, but Amish people generally eat like pre-World War II era. So pies, cakes, um, high fat meats, like baking. So stuff that had a lot of energy. And on some unpublished studies, they ate, the men ate between like 32 and 3,600 calories, which is a lot. And the women were, I think, at like 24 to 2,500 calories. Anyways, high. And so on a population level, before they knew what high energy flux was, these people were working all day. They were walking all day. They were eating quite a bit of food and, and not necessarily quote unquote healthy food. And on a population level, they had almost 0% obesity and they were all shredded. That's like really powerful to me because they're not trying to do that. They're just trying to cook food and keep their commune running and just not watch TV, which is like, it seems really simple, but it is that simple for them. And, and, and on a, like this was a population of 200. So it wasn't like five people this thing worked. They just were, they existed like that, which is really cool. Yeah, they don't have access to my fitness pal, I don't think. No, <laughs> they don't have cell phones. They, they might have, I think there was, someone made a joke, but like sometimes they get like a bus to come pick them up. They don't like want their own cars and they'll take them to Walmart and they maybe, maybe they go on uh, the internet there. But like, <laughs> again, super hard for them to like figure this stuff out. And they're not looking up diets. They don't know what intermittent fasting is. They don't know what vegan is. They, they're literally just like, we, we just farm. We're just, we, we, we just like our life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of... um the blue zone population so people that are living to like 100 years old like my my girlfriend's studying uh, doing some nutrition certs at the minute and there's so there's so many that you, you're looking into with the diets where they're just eating nothing but some some populations just eating nothing but potatoes and there's some people that are just eating nothing but 100 carnivore diet and that's because obviously what they're exposed to in their environment what's what's basically available to them and not not to mention like we said just working for that working for that food working as a job being more active and in, in, in general and this is not necessarily saying someone go out and do thirty thousand steps a day because we know that's hard for a lot of people but mm. what they tend to do when they do attempt thirty thousand steps a day it's like we said before they just drop the calories they don't match them calories to their energy expenditure do they well, cause they're hungry. So, and that was another thing I looked at and like you talked about like back in hunter gatherers stuff, um, but tribes, but either way there was this cool hunger curve that came up, but regardless, when you're in low energy flux, you're hungry cause you want to not be losing weight and dying. And then when you're doing a lot of activity, you're also hungry cause you're doing a lot of activity and you want to feed that on both ends of the spectrum, you're hungry. The only difference is now in modern societies, we have access to that food. So the only difference is when you're in lower energy flux and you have access to food and you eat the food, you gain weight. If you do stuff and you're hungry anyways, and you eat the food, you, you essentially stay at your, your normal weight, which is super powerful. It's like, not like, it doesn't have to be that simple, but it kind of is because in, in back in the day when the tribes didn't have food, they were super hungry and they were high energy flux and they couldn't feed themselves. So they, they were really skinny but they would drop off on immune system stuff and like their sexual drive and their, they couldn't reproduce and stuff because they couldn't feed themselves in those periods of famine. We don't, we, in, in our society, we, we can feed that and they and end up having all those systems healthy and they're eating more and they're at those lean body masses. And so it's just really cool to see that it wasn't always like this in history because the worlds are different, but we have tools that can allow us to exist now knowing that food's coming in we've almost made things so simple for ourselves with uber eats and whatever like you said, i said pies and coffees with two creams and three sugars we've made it so easy to get food but we can exist here without it doesn't have to be obesity like it doesn't have to be it is hard but if you kind of accept the fact that you live in this world and you want to have this thing, which is fat loss or this body or whatever it is, you have to, you don't have to, but it's more helpful to add these things in. Otherwise you're going to have to eat less your whole life. And that's really, really, really hard. Like it's just even thinking about that, like the life you'd have to live to move more and eat less forever. Like that would suck. 
that's the worst and, and and it comes back to like like yourself who understands this myself that understands this and and and, and basically giving a different um insight into this and this is why i wanted to have this conversation today because it's one that not a lot of people are probably having or even you know taking into consideration essentially and we we're trying to look at other routes really that we can help people without it necessarily being the same advice that that everybody else is given and i've had it you know have it so many times and i said this to you when we were messaging on dm how many times do people say things like you can get away with eating that it's okay for you or they'll say oh why why are you eat, why are you eating that and, and and all these questions like oh it's okay you can get away with it where'd you put it and all those yeah. things that we we get told all the time and myself especially and i'm like you, you as well being like obviously genetics comes into this as well a little bit without going into a rabbit hole on that but essentially it's because we have a high energy flux that we we have a really good ability for weight maintenance and and, and like you say releasing you into the world how and that's where people's problems really lie is with weight maintenance what happens after the diet and it is that question of is a higher energy flux better than low energy flux in the general population looking to transition out of a diet well that's what doesn't get looked like i guess it kind of was looked at in the thing but like with the studies when they looked at it and why i didn't really care as much like i cared that it worked but they weren't looking at people who have lost i guess some of the studies, a percentage of weight loss, but not people who've gone through that whole fat loss journey and, and learn the skills of eating less and doing more and, and the kind of problems that come up with it. And, and it's like, now, now what do we do? And like, that's where the Amish stuff is cool because they just exist. And with the higher energy flux, like it's it just like, like you said, does it, it becomes which one's better. It's just let, the, like, I like to let people decide. It's just like the things that got you to this fat loss phase are generally going to be all the stuff that we're talking about. It's like eating less, moving more, exercising. Like generally that's the main hammer, especially depending on the context, but generally that's what people want and that's what they get. So like, what do you do after that? Like, is that what you want to do to, I guess, maintain your weight loss your whole life? And I think that that's why the statistics aren't that good because all that stuff sucks. Like eating less, <laughs> like it kind of sucks to move more and work out more when you're eating less because you're in an energy deficit. It, it feels like shit. Um, on top of that, like you're mentally just drained and you have to exist in that world. And then on top of that, which we didn't talk, well, you kind of touched on it, but like people who exercise a lot, which is cool. Like that's, that's an awesome pillar. But if you're not feeding that, now intuitively or unconsciously you're now moving less so like if people actually track their steps throughout the day and just didn't think about it like they're like i'm not going to manage my steps i'm just going to my body's going to get what it's going to get and i'm going to look at the number at the end of the day if you go for like a five mile run i bet if your steps outside of that run they're probably like between one and two thousand steps per day and so they're separate metrics and they're separate metrics that we can adjust so the people in lower energy flux generally unconsciously do less and it's like it's so powerful to like that's why the high energy flux is cool because the aspects in which we have to teach to do that is movement is exercise is tracking your calories and increasing them. But all of those are powerful tools for information to say, when I look back on times in my life, and if you get into that lower flux mode, you can now look at those metrics and be like, Oh damn, I am moving less and I'm doing all these things and start to piece together this puzzle on the life that you want to live. Because I think that's the end of the day. It's the choice. The client can do whatever the fuck they want. Like they, it's their choice on which Chad they want to be, but it's, it's hard to find an argument against higher energy flux chat. Like he gets, he gets to eat the cakes. He, he has to exercise a little bit more and he has to move more, but I bet he feels better. And yeah. like he said, he doesn't get worried when he goes to the lake on the weekend on, in the summer and has like three beers. Cause he's like, well, I'm, I'm like, I, I just worked out today and I'm going to probably get 20,000 steps tomorrow. And now I can just kind of enjoy it a little bit. I might gain a pound or two um, over the course of like the summer, but like, that's not that much. Exactly. And I think that is the most powerful message with this, isn't it? It's, it's the fact of what do you want forever? And do you want to live a life on a constant diet? Or are you going to be able to still enjoy the foods that you want and eat them when you want and have the permission to eat what the hell you want whilst still bloody maintaining your body weight that you worked so hard to get to when you was on a dieting phase with if, even whether it was a trainer or you did it on your own, because the high energy flux, you know, we've basically, if we are able to get in some higher calorie intake with the current kind of culture, food culture that we have and all these food cues, obviously hunger as well, it's beneficial for hunger signaling if you have got more energy coming in in terms of food. So these are, these are some of the problems that we run into when people do go out into the big bad world after a diet, hunger 
especially if they've been on a low calorie restriction diet for a period of time, hunger's going to come and bite them. All those uh, food cues are going to be shoved in their face. All those social events that they may have been skipping out on whilst dieting and thinking, oh, I'm not going out with friends and family on this 12-week diet. What happens when that 12 weeks is up? Yeah. And that's where it's kind of like, this is cool. Or like, let's just take lower energy flux and higher energy flux. And we'll take extreme dieting. I know that's so important, but like well, dieting versus like being able to exist in this world. If you picked up skills in that fat loss journey, and this is where it's cool to go from one spectrum to the other. Usually you're doing things like moving more and, and exercising, but you're, you're changing your quality of food. You, you mentioned vegetables and, and fruits. Um, generally with fat loss diets, the most helpful way is probably have more protein, have more protein. You're either, you're either not cheating, but you're either having shakes or you're adding more chicken and pork and steak and stuff, stuff that makes you um, not as hungry. And so when you stack on food quality and the stuff that kind of got you to that fat loss onto higher energy flux, it's actually hard to overeat. Like if, if you were to like take away everything and like just exist, and like I'm not eating high protein anymore. I'm just going to go eat McDonald's and stuff. Like, yeah, you can run into some problems contextually, but if you're kind of maintaining like 80% of that food quality, it's going to be really hard to eat. Let's just say 3,500 calories. And even for like a, a woman, like 26, 2,700 calories, like that, it ends up getting hard when a large portion of your meals are with quality food. And that's not, that's, that's just adding in one variable. You start adding in like even more steps than 10,000, then hunger starts to go down even more. And just like, there's this, all these equations that I just think higher energy flux is a good starting point. And then you can add in all the other stuff, which is just like, like good luck trying to overeat that, especially when you you have the pillars of movement and exercise. Like it's, it's going to be difficult. It's still possible. Like <laughs> you can gain weight on a higher energy flux. Like I've done it. Yeah. Like I'm trying to build muscle. Like I go into a 44 calorie sur surplus. Like I gain weight and I'm in higher energy flux, but um, it's a lot, like I said, there's a lot more opportunity for growth on either end of that spectrum where you have to under eat a lot to lose weight and you have to overeat a lot to, to gain weight. And if you're already eating a lot, eating a lot, even eating more sounds really sexy for like two days, but it's, it, it's really hard to eat 4,000 calories plus for weeks on end. And that would be the thing that would make you gain weight. And so it just becomes so hard to gain weight that you almost, those people that say, I think you mentioned it, um, like, I can just, where does that food go? They could just eat whatever. There's always that person that just smashes food and they're just like, they look shredded. Yeah. Like they couldn't gain, like the hard gainers, they couldn't gain weight if they tried because they're in higher energy flux and they would have to eat like in a surplus of like 500 calories more than their maintenance, which is a moving number, which is then like, like we're talking like a thousand calories plus a day. Like again, it's really hard after two days. So I don't know, they're in a better spot to not get fat more or less. And like, maybe that's the hashtag fat fix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's um, you for this type of stuff, especially for people that have had a history of dieting. This this approach may, like we say, may we obviously there is some possibly repercussions of this, like you mentioned, Dean. We're not saying everyone to start eating more, yeah. essentially. But what we are saying is that it, there needs to be some match with between the two. Mm. They need to the exercise component and the nutrition component, there needs to be some degree of a match rather than it just being one way or the other. But someone who has a history of dieting, they're usually the ones who do really attack the dropping calories and yeah, absolutely attack the nutrition. So, uh, sorry, the training. So instead, for those people, this might be the place to go. If they really love attacking their um, training, keep your nutrition exactly the same and maybe like you said add on some fruits and vegetables to their meals and just see how things go just by simply having it add more of a high energy flux with the training component side of things rather than pulling the calories down as well and then running into these problems that we know are going to occur anyway yeah well that's the cool thing is that like i really think people who have been dieting for fat loss and who've been really successful they're really good candidates for this stuff because they built like I said, getting down and losing weight is like an amazing thing. And to do it, you have to like be super resilient and you have to build a lot of skills. Like most people don't lose weight by just eating Oreo cookies and, and doing, if it fits my macros and doing that sexy version of it, usually they've added food quality and they've raised their protein. They've usually raised their activity, all these things that work. And it's, it's, it's hard, but those are all the same things that are going to get you into higher energy flux and, and make it so you can last. And those are all skills which they have already, which is why I like um, talking about weight maintenance 
for the long term from someone who's who's lost weight is they've essentially built the skills to be really successful at this thing. They just need to push in the other way. And it, all it is is instead of systematically lowering your calories and raising your activity, it's just systematically now raising your activity a little bit more while adding calories to that equation. And it could be as simple as maybe adding 300 calories and, and increasing their steps by 2,000 a day and their metabolism spikes up just a little bit. And now they they just you just kind of repeat that process over months or over like whatever maybe weeks but generally it's over months and then now you're at a spot where instead of eating 1,200 calories as a 35 year old female who works out and gets 10,000 steps now you're getting 12,000 steps and you're working out you've added a little bit more weights into your workout like you're now instead of doing 20 pounds for bench press you're doing 30 and now you're eating 1,500 calories in the course of like a month or two like that's pretty sick like that's that's 1500 calories is a lot more than 1200, especially when you've been dieting for that long. And so that's where it's like, it's like, yeah, if you understand that, then you can now systematically um, move the, the goalposts, so to speak. And like you mentioned, there is a negative to it. Like if you, if you, I always use it like the most extreme version, which is awful, but like if you break, if Sally breaks her leg and she can't get her 10,000 steps, like, yeah, you're going to have to eat less, but at least you have that skill of like eating less. Like in, in, as long as you're realistic with yourself of knowing like when I do less activity, I need to eat more. That's the education part. And when I do more, I can, I hate to say if you do more, you can eat more, but if you systematically do the things that got you into weight loss and you just do it systematically, you can now eat more and do more. Yeah. It's, it's more. kind of understanding the energy inside of things, the energy mm. expenditure side of things and the appetite and understand that appetite falls. I think you shared a good graph Dean on yeah. one of the presentations that you did where appetite how it um, links to these um, energy in and energy outside of things and how it can kind of swing roundabouts and there's like a bell curve on, on, yeah. on this and how it shows it, which is, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying with the Hadza stuff. So the Hadza is like a tribe, the hunter-gatherers, and they, they study them on a population level. And it was cool. I think it was like Fort, right? Anyways, like whatever, right? I don't remember all the study names. I'm not, I'm not a PhD. <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> they created like this appetite curve where I said that if you're in low flux, your energy or your, your hunger is up. And then there would be a bell curve as you kind of do a little bit more activity and what they dubbed normal activity. So someone who just like exists, and they do like a good amount of physical activity, uh, maybe walk a little bit and they don't eat a lot, but they don't eat too little. Their hunger is kind of just, they don't really have hunger. But then as their energy starts going up, so as soon as their energy expender goes up, they do more, they, they work more, they, they step more or run, um, their hunger also goes up. So there's that bell curve of like double and quote unquote normal is like there's no not as much hunger but their energy meets their food needs and there's no hunger and then there's the people who eat less and do less but they're super hungry right because like they're eating less and their body's like don't eat less like you're gonna shrink to nothing and then on the other end there's like you're doing so much activity you need to feed that or else you're gonna shrink and be nothing and with the Hadza tribes they they were hunting and gathering food which is like they're not going to mcdonald's to get food so they, they would have to expend more energy to get more food and they couldn't fulfill that not that they couldn't but generally it's harder to fulfill that hunger and they were already in higher energy flux so that's when i said they were dropping off on immune system stuff and their ability to reproduce a lot of their bodily functions that would like make them feel like a good human they just felt like shit. but they're still in high they, they still wanted to be in higher energy flux and when you compare that to they did a study with um it was industrial India. It was like, the study was like really mean. They were like not nice about, they just called them fat, but uh, <laughs> that's awful. But what was cool is these are two different studies by two different people. And they essentially manifested this hunger curve in modern society where people are working more. And those people who are working less, and they studied this industrial India factory and they looked at all the positions and they scaled them from like, I did less activity. I was a supervisor all the way up to like, I was a, a, a blacksmith and there's some mill rights, but basically as they did more activity, um, they were, they would, they would study the flux. So the people that were in lower energy flux, so like the supervisors and the clerks, the people that were on computers, they were hungry. The only difference is that they could feed themselves because they weren't in a hundred other society. And so they were actually bigger. And then as you went to normal activity, the people who were like uh, mechanics, so they just did act like a normal amount of activity. They didn't eat as much and they were kind of at this lower weight. And then it goes all the way to the people who work more like the blacksmiths, the people who are like, like really, really working. They were eating just as much as the people in lower energy flux, but their weight stayed low. And so that's that appetite curve manifesting itself on a population level. The only difference is food's available in one, like food's super available like in, in, in modern society. And then in the hunter-gatherer society, food wasn't available. And so 
the hunter gatherers just didn't eat as much and they, they, they were lower weight, but if they had the choice, I'm sure that they would eat whatever they hunted deer. They would, they would probably eat 10 deers if they could and they would get fat. And so that was kind of cool on a population level to see this appetite curve manifest itself in weight gain and have higher and lower energy flux on two different studies that like, it was like 20 years apart when higher energy flux was in neither of those equations. None of them were talking about the flux equation because it hadn't been, been developed at that point. That's really Hopefully that makes sense. I know that's a lot of graph stuff, but yeah, yeah. it kind of shows that population level happens. Yeah, and it's and it's it is it is a bit unfair, isn't it? That the more sedentary you are, the more appetite increases, and match yeah. that with the current food environment. No wonder this is a big problem. Yeah, and the tribes just didn't gain weight, right? Because they the, the let's say the the women who stayed at so like in the hunter gatherers, women would stay back and take care of the kids, so they just weren't doing as much. But they weren't gaining weight because they weren't getting any food because food was super hard. Like they're they're scavenging for berries and trying to like hunt stuff. So like they didn't see that same weight gain in industrial India did when they were doing less, but they could feed themselves. And so I would I would gather that if the Hadza drive was thrown into uh, into Canada and they they saw the the new world with with fast food and stuff, I I would I would bet they'll gain weight like completely. Their activity would drop. They'd be like, oh, I'm, we can get a house. We have shelter. Uh, it's warm. We could just stay here and eat all day. Like this is awesome. They would they would end up being part of that statistic statistic of obesity. Like I think that truly. Like I do think that. No, I, I, I agree. Let me know. It's fascinating talking about this stuff. It really is. And um, there's I mentioned the, the guy who was on my podcast a, a while back. We we're talking about there's a tribe who had to get obviously get their own honey and most of their diet was honey but what they had to do to get the honey was crazy they had to like nail pegs into the trees and climb the trees to the top of the tree and you're just like fuck this person's like probably expending a thousand calories just to probably get 500 calories from bloody honey or whatever it would be so yeah. you can you can start to see this difference now and unfortunately where we are now we we, we, we spoil it in a way that we just walk, is it one minute you're, you're access to food, you're one minute away from food if you're living like the current uh, society. Yeah, like, honey is available. Honey was like the, the creme de la creme. Like if you could find honey, like you're good. Um, and, but like you said, the, the cost of getting the honey was, was tough. But I think like the, the only crappy thing about this, and we talk about this, and it's just like, do you have to be a blacksmith and walk 20,000 steps to essentially fight obesity no you can eat less and, and still move more and be fine it's just that if you want to eat more and, and adapt to i guess our current environment there's going to have to be some realistic expectation that that ex that that movement and that exercise probably has to be part of that equation and we can talk genetics and there's people who can eat whatever like yeah we get that but i'm, I'm talking about if you're someone who like is looking at the stuff like and i'm not a genetic freak like there's probably going to have to be a conversation on like i have to add these things in you don't have to do anything you don't have to listen to any of us but i think it'll be helpful to do these things if you want this thing that you say you want and that's kind of with my clients is like i'll just have a conversation with them it's like you can say you want it but it's going to equal these things and you can choose whichever path you want it's just a matter of here's the information whatever you want with it um, but the people in industrial india they didn't move and they didn't do activity and they ate a lot of food and, and they were bigger and if you want to be that person, that's fine. It's just like notice that that's kind of a trend that we see even in modern day society that is not industrial India. And so if you work at an office and you eat a lot of food and you don't have a side gig where you go work out before and after work or whatever, like those people generally look like a certain way. So do you want to be that thing? If not, you have to add these things in probably. Okay. <laughs> we have to add contextually, but yeah. Well, it's, it is it's the conversation that not a lot of people have and it's just giving people more um kind of control and autonomy over what they're doing like the the if they want to eat less and move more yes like we said yes that will probably work like especially if you've not been doing anything for many years sure. and you've not looked into your nutrition of course it's going to do it all comes down to energy balance but if you are someone that loves the food if you are someone that has a problem with weight maintenance and you are someone that might enjoy lots of activity look into having your food match that or if you are someone that doesn't like any activity the likelihood is that you're going to have to sacrifice one thing or the other you kind of can't have your cake literally no pun intended and eat it by just not Dude, taking any of this advice and just being that worker in india who sits down all day has an appetite through the roof because unfortunately that bell curve of appetite that's how it works and stuff your face with all the food in the world 
that's to that's totally fine. But if you are someone that wants to lose weight and you've struggled for years and you've been on hundreds of diets, mm -hmm. maybe just maybe a different approach, like taking into consideration this energy flux, especially for weight maintenance and long term, and just upping the maybe your steps, the amount of times that you train, doing the right types of training for you that you can recover from, obviously as well. That needs to be taken into consideration. That was a big point with the exercise thing because I'll get I'll get a lot of questions on like what what kind of exercise should I do and my answer is always like like whatever you want like I know that sounds really bad but like in the research like the reason why like exercise never like you get that classic simple thing like you can't out exercise a bad diet but a lot of the studies people didn't adhere to the studies very well so like we have no idea what we can all agree on is that exercise is probably good so if you're someone that thinks like there's this perfect workout plan like probably getting more volume and building muscle is probably more helpful than than not but if that's not you like do the thing you're gonna do like if it's peloton do peloton if it's running do running if it's if it's whatever lifting your strength training class do it I just ask people to have a metric that they can track. What does better mean? So like with running, it could be the same amount of distance in less time with Peloton. It could be more wattage with lifting. It could be, I did more weights in the workout or I did the same amount of weights in less time, have something that you can manage what better is and then track steps separately. Cause like I, the running thing is like, well, I see lots of people that are running and they're overweight. It's like, it comes back to that thing we are talking about where steps are probably lower, right? It's, it's everything as a holistic approach. So like track things separately, calories, um, running or whatever exercise and steps and then figure out where you where you fit on that and just manage it. it it's hard again I don't want people to have to manage everything but I think that it's helpful in some form or fashion to manage things for a while or track things so you know what that looks like yeah 100% and, and, and like you say if you are someone who likes doing peloton that's that's totally fine you you yeah. hammer away at that but if you are someone who does peloton and you are running into these issues like we've mentioned where you feel like your appetite's through the roof or you in general don't want to be on a diet or you, you you're holding yourself back from going out with friends and family or you're just struggling to maintain weight as it is because you're kind of all guns blazing maybe if you are this peloton person who likes exercising for peloton then why don't you just look at maybe increasing your food because that's that's where that and bell curve happens the likelihood is your body you it wants that yeah. energy coming in because there's so much energy potentially going out so match it and you just might find yourself being able to manipulate your nutrition better and most importantly like your motivation to even train and and you all these other pillars of health that we that we often neglect there's so many pillars of health not just nutrition and exercise there's, there's unless so that has the as well. it's yeah. like their immune system was dropping like we'll say their motivation was dropping their sexual drives dropping and you can call that starvation. Like I know that the term is called start, like starvation mode. It's like complete bullshit. But like that's the person who is doing too much and they're not feeding it. And if we just like now, and they're probably moving less, but if you start moving more, like just manage your steps, add 5,000 steps onto the equation, keep doing your Peloton stuff and just systematically add calories back in and start to like give your body, not necessarily a break, but start feeding those systems to now operate a little bit more optimally. And you're probably going to want to move more and you're probably going to want to like up your wattage by whatever, uh, I think, your FT try to get a higher FTP score you're gonna have the ability to do that but that hammer doesn't work if you're not feeding yourself because you can't you can't just keep exercising stuff because other stuff will drop off and you've probably had people on metabolic adaptation but it happens differently depending on which side of the situation you're at like metabolic adaptation can happen with an energy drop off and performance drop off sometimes if you're managing your performance and you keep your performance up then like stuff like your immune system starts to drop like your body will figure out a way conserve energy and that's why I like higher energy flux because you're eating more you're sustaining those systems and you're doing all the healthy stuff without having a lot of the negatives like the only negative like the one of the biggest negatives is that yeah if you break your leg you have to do less and like that sucks and you have to eat more food so for some people eating more food is harder so just know that those are the people who are like like me who are like i have to eat 4400 calories that sucks and no one feels bad for me but like it is hard it is hard to get food especially the bigger you get the more muscle you get cost more money so there is some negatives to this but like i don't know i again who would i trust in society it's, it's probably gonna be that person no I, on their own oh yeah a million a million percent <laughs> i i couldn't agree couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree with you more and it's and it's going back to this long-term change it's ultimately long-term change and giving people these different ideas and understanding and, and ultimately looking back to these populations that we mentioned before they have a very high energy flux in terms of steps but not necessarily exercise 
at all mm-hmm. because they don't do any planned activity or exercise. Yep. In our current situation, we have lots of people who are really doing a lots of exercise, but they're not mm-hmm. doing lots of steps per se because yeah. there's, there's always an effect on one or the other. And the body's so complex that, like you said, there's, you kind of rob Peter to pay Paul to some degree, don't you, with certain things that go on within the body. And they also match that by just pulling the calories down and yeah. not necessarily eating naturally or how they want to live in like these blue zone populations. That's kind that's kind of the goal, right? Is how do we get people living like not living like, but adopting the lifestyle behaviors, the health behaviors, not just physically but mentally as well. Because these guys are probably don't have any poor relationships no. with food. How no, do no. we get how do we get that? And I well, think we'll, I was saying like where do we go? I was gonna say with industrial India, like it's it's one of those so this is like the cool thing is like they ate more because if they didn't eat more, they wouldn't be able to perform at work. And this was a poorer population, like it's industrial India. And if they lost their job, they're they're done out, right? So like they ate because they need to do performance. Same thing with the Amish. They're relying on their income coming in from farming. Well, they have to do the work and they have to feed to do the work. Um, so it, it's interesting because on a population level, different outlooks. But the biggest thing that I can say in terms of like, how do you be more Amish? would be like, I think the steps is a big thing. Like do whatever activity you're gonna to wanna to do, but everyone that I've dealt with that has like 10,000 plus, like between 10 and 20,000 20, 20, 20, steps, tend to be the people that I've had that lose weight long-term. And they're the people that have such an easier time with not having weight swings. And we know with people who are like losing weight and are with a coach or whatever, like they can spike their weight by like going to the lake and having two beers, like, and that's mentally draining. The people that don't have those things as much tend to be the people that I find that tend to be doing more steps and then you can layer on activity. But like, it's, if I would, if I were to choose one hammer outside of calories to like attack would be like, just move more. Like don't be the weird person that does circles in your office. But like, if that's what you have to do, like, I don't know, like take the stairs, park further away, all those things that are like, are you kind of hear as cliche terms. I've been like gravitating towards completely because personally and observationally, those are the people that have the, I don't want to say the easiest time, but they have the they have the best experience with fat loss and with weight loss maintenance, and I can say that confidently. Like again, not everyone, but generally, like you can overeat twenty thousand steps. Like you could you could have a cake a day, but if you're kind of doing the right stuff, mostly steps tend to be a really good hammer to attack this whole this weight loss and weight maintenance. Yeah, and yeah. weight gain. <laughs> like Definitely. if you want to build muscle, like it's 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 just helpful. You can gain more muscle and not get as fat. Like it's it's kind of cool. Definitely. I've, I've experienced that during times like now, for example, with my clients, uh, I've basically said to them during this period of time anyway, is kind of work on the things that would have held you back um, in, in normal world. So for example, stuck at a desk all day, use this time to actually smash these steps. And I'm not even asked about your calories because I, I'm, I'm obviously, I want to, I, I don't know about you, but during this period of time, I've kind of pushed more practice being good at weight maintenance to people as opposed to dieting because i know a lot of people have been like saying oh use this time to get shredded but i kind of have a different uh, mentality yeah. on that and i think practice doing what you're not able to do when when things are kind of quote unquote normal so i've got clients that i'm practicing weight maintenance with them now because they've lost like 80 pounds and things like that over the last year 100 pounds this next few months i've just said to them let's ramp up your activity let's put your activity through the roof because you can because you're not stuck in the office yeah. eat what kind of not eat what you want but just eat normally just eat, like literally just if you're hungry eat whatever like there's no diet in it and literally all of them are maintaining body weight that's sick and like that's kind of how i've approached not with everyone like i think some people depending on their situation but like I, the way i've worded it is like like you said they're not in the office but like use this time to like test what these things look like like what does 10 to twenty thousand steps look like what is like a little bit more activity depending on if they have access to gym or like a gym at home depends on the person but and then knowing like understand that this is a period in time which things have changed right like we're in a different environment with a different set of skills that we're building and understand that like post quarantine or whatever return to whatever country and like when they return to work or whatever when things start to change back to the normal world which aspects of that can you take and it's probably going to be percentage based like you're probably not going to get as much activity as much steps but you can take the skills that you learn and then layer them on to the realistic expectation that of what normal life is going to be back at and you can come up with a, a better solution because now like you said you, you have time to practice those things like th- this is the best time to practice things because we know that especially like it's hard it's hard when you have like kids at home or like you have an office job or you're a lawyer or whatever like you're busy 
but now it's kind of like it's up to the the person to be the best expert in their own life you figure out how you're going to add these things in i'm not going to tell you how like i don't want to be the one who says you have to do this and then they'll be like you don't know anything okay well then you figure out how to do it yourself and it could look like a thousand different ways it could be a walk in the morning and a walk at night it could be pacing around your office it could be going up and downstairs during lunch whatever don't care figure it out and then now you know it works now because we've tested it out now just layer it in definitely i think that was um a really good podcast, mate. I think we've um, yeah. covered covered a lot of good stuff there. And, and like I said, I just want to give people a different mindset and a different approach. And if, if, if it works for them, brilliant. It might not work for them, but it's kind of just, just picking your tools really and just giving yeah. more education rather than just the generic advice that we, we have given to us all the time, which they're probably sick of hearing. So I hope by listening to me and you today, they're actually thinking, oh, these two PTs that are just not chatting shit like everyone else necessarily are jumping on the bandwagon, albeit like we said, we, we agree with the message to some degree, but it's just not that bloody easy. It's just not that simple. And that's the whole reason why I did this and why I'm kind of like pushing towards my content is taking simple stories that we kind of all, like I see them all the time, even in my world of trying to build muscle and stuff and just like kind of looking at the complex, but then kind of coming back to just some better solutions and some more tools and just understanding that everything that we hear that's super simple isn't always contextually specific to you. And then just figuring out what can work for you. And that it's going to look different for everyone. But that being said, it's nice to know that there is other options. There's not just this one thing. And I don't think there's ever just one thing. So just use your brain. <laughs> yeah, to sum, to sum it up, have a play with it. Use your brain. Do whichever one you enjoy. But ultimately, use health and fitness as a positive instead of it being a negative like it unfortunately is for many people. Yeah. Dean, can you give the listeners a little bit of a rundown where they can find you, mate? Yeah, so the big the big place to find me is, is obviously Instagram. I, I'm I'm pretty good at answering DMs, but it's Guido dot power. So G U E D O dot power P O W E R. I also work for a company called Stronger You. So if you're interested to work with me, just like go to Stronger You and just recommend that or recommend ask to work with me. Uh, other projects I have going on is essentially I, I run a podcast called Barbell Me Search. So like we kind of met through the same similar crowds and people we've had on our podcast. So if you're interested in that, we have a YouTube channel called Barbell Me Search or search for us on basically any podcast network and it's under barbell me search and it's just designed around a little bit more specific topics but we say adding context to my opic topics which is similar to this conversation just adding context to really simple stuff and then just talking about them with experts and mostly to fuel my own research and that's why it's called me search um it's really more for me so (laughs) i'm not that altruistic i do like helping people but that project is specifically for me and hopefully you like it Awesome, mate. No, I, I do. I've listened to it a few times and I can testify to that. It's good to listen to other professionals and just have different conversations as well yeah. uh, rather than the same the same stuff. But Dean, that was an absolute pleasure. And I, uh, thanks again for taking the time this morning to come on to my podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, buddy. It was awesome. Cheers.